This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This hour is likely to go down in history as either the most brilliant radio hour ever conceived or a total disaster. If it is the latter rather than the former, keep in mind that there's three other people that uh, you'll get to hear from over the course of the next hour that can share the blame for that. Now, uh, some of you might have been listening over the course of the last month or so as we've been doing these uh, contests featuring different, uh, different callers in this sort of debate format, this tournament debate bracket that's inspired by this segment that uh, Alex Bennett used to do years ago. And uh, Governor David Patterson, when he was on the radio with me recently, talked about the importance of being able to talk to people you disagree with and how he reformatted this segment when he did his own radio show a few years ago. What I would do is I would ask people to call up and to pick a topic that they wanted to debate and after the two debated, um, whoever the winner was would stay on. And then the next caller could call with, so let's say the person that won the debate was the person of po- political uh, philosophy that's conservative. The next caller calls up, and that caller takes a very conservative position, forcing the champion to debate, let's say, the more liberal position. So it was a test of how well do you understand your adversary? If necessary, could you state your adversary's view uh, accurately? And the exercise I thought was particularly interesting because, uh, boy, there was a woman, I remember her name, Cheryl Blue, a serious conservative woman, African-American, but she would flip on the dime and you would – and. When she got finished, she thought AOC was talking. <laughs> and she was, I think, a two-time champion of Governor's Island. So we have assembled three out of our four Governor's Island champions in studio. I don't know if we're going to necessarily do a debate format or just kind of have it be free form and respond to a lot of the questions that callers raise on any subject because something tells me this group is able to tackle just about any subject there is. If you want to comment and talk to our citizen panel, which is another idea that we've stolen from Alex Bennett, you can give us a call 800-848-9222. That's 800 Two, two, two. I thought, you know, one of the things that I have been uh, pretty consistent about is I think part of the problem in the country today, especially in the media, but in the country as a whole, is tribalism. If we get into these uh, these habits of just talking to our own group, people that agree with us, people that are the same uh, religion as us, the same race, the same age, the same socioeconomic status. And because folks don't know what it's like to talk with folks that come from a different point of view, they view essentially those folks as aliens. So my goal with this hour is to sort of facilitate conversation, and something tells me that out of all the three panelists that you're about to hear, there's going to be at least one person that you identify with, no matter your station in life. Let us meet first Kevin in Howard Beach. Oh, Kevin, I can take a guess at your politics because you're wearing a Reagan Bush 84 sweatshirt. Tell me at least that that sweatshirt has been washed at some point in the last 38 years. I washed it uh, 
this afternoon. Okay, all right, some, good. Okay, you know I don't want to scare these other guys. Here, so, uh, <laughs> is is that a throwback sweatshirt? Is no, it a newer I, sweatshirt, I, or have you had it for thirty eight years? I've, no, I picked it up at the uh, Reagan Library out in California. Now, see, I noticed that shirt made a comeback about two years ago, and I couldn't understand why I was seeing that shirt pop up both in sweatshirt form and in t shirt form. So I went back and got a whole bunch of throwback uh, presidential t shirts as well. So I have now. I a, have a presidential t shirt underneath. Well, oh, really? Let's see that. What's that? Uh, it says it's it's all. It, uh, I'm not I'm not seeing anything so far. It's blank, which uh, could be. Uh, all right. Oh, it's a Trump shirt. Okay, so we have no doubt as to your politics. <laughs> all right. He's, it looks like is that President Trump giving the middle finger? Yes. It there is. you go. That there was you a go. Gift from my son. So, uh, Kevin, what's your what's your background professionally? Do you are you what do you do for a living? Retired or law do? enforcement, and I have a commercial construction company. In, uh, here in Manhattan. All right. Okay. Uh, David from the Bronx is no stranger to this audience. He has been calling talk radio for literally decades. He used to be known as David from Huntington. He is probably one of the uh, sharpest debaters out of any of the callers that we have had. He certainly bested me in a lot of debates that we've had over the years. And uh, now that he's here in studio and I don't have the ability to just X him out and hang up on him, I am a little nervous. <laughs> David, it is good to see you. Yes, yeah, good to be here, Frank. Now, David, you started out as David from Huntington. Now you're David in the Bronx. You've mentioned before on the air, I'm not adding you here, that you're that you're blind, but you weren't always blind. What what uh, what happened to cause you to lose your eyesight? Well, I've been diabetic for over thirty years, and unfortunately, I developed a rare type of glaucoma that is hard to treat. And uh, ended up in this situation. Mm. Well, so I'm sorry to hear that. You still seem even without sight. And uh, when you lose sight later in life, I imagine it can be difficult to acclimate that. But you still seem as independent as anybody I know. So uh, it's great to have you here. And I know your politics differ somewhat from what Kevin's politics are, right? Oh, uh, yes. I think <laughs> you know my dislike for Donald Trump. So uh, so how would you characterize your own politics? Are you uh, you clearly left of center, but how far to the left of the center? Well, I think I've become more middle of the road over the years. I think I mentioned to another host of, on this station that I was in a homeless shelter for three years. And that experience showed me that some of these social programs we have are a waste of money and are not being administered properly. So I think I've moved towards the center more. You know, I've always thought you would be a lot happier as a conservative because I do find you a little bit curmudgeonly. And generally, conservatives tend to be more curmudgeonly than than liberals. Liberals are kind of the cockeyed optimists, always thinking everybody has the best of intentions. But you you view things kind of cynically, like kind of a conservative does. I call it being a realist. Fair enough. Uh, Fair enough. And uh, Gino from Brooklyn is also here. Gino is the only one of our panelists that I've actually met uh, previously. We met in Atlantic City, and it turns out he's uh, the son of a friend of mine who, uh, you know, I haven't really been in touch with for the last 20 years. But uh, Gino from Brooklyn, also no stranger to this audience. And uh, you are heading off to Florida tomorrow, right? Yes, sir. I'll be getting on a plane tomorrow afternoon. I will be streaming you live from down south terrific now are you are you one of these people one of these new yorkers that aspires to move to florida or is this just a vacation what are you going are you going oh, down there to volunteer such a loaded question efforts? um florida is unbearable eight months of the year 
you know, this is the first day that I'm actually wearing pants in nine months. Mm-hmm. I haven't worn pants since like St. Patrick's Day. I like this weather. I like the fall. Were um, you some exhibitionist, a flasher <laughs> no, or something? No, no, I, just, I just like I like cooler weather. I'm just you know I'm a fat guy and I like cooler weather. <laughs> just the way it go. I'm a Coney Island polar bear. I like I like cold 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 temperatures. Well, so, you, you actually do that? You jump yeah, into the ocean on 20, January? This will uh, be first? my 23rd year doing it. Oh this, my this goodness! Year. And I, it's funny. I live at Coney Island. I swim one day a year. That's January first. <laughs> I'm on the boat. <laughs> All the time. I'm on the beach all the time. I spend one day here. Just so everybody, and I hope we can talk about some other issues other than politics, but just so everybody knows where you're coming from, how do you characterize your own politics? Um, I think I'm perfectly situated as well as sitting between these two gentlemen, and I probably land politically between okay, these so two Okay, so you're gentlemen. you're not wearing a Trump with a middle finger T-shirt, <laughs> but you're not going to an Antifa rally anytime soon. Correct. I don't really bow at any altar. I think if, okay. you, if you're doing that, you're drinking too much Kool-Aid on anybody's party. All right. Well, uh, so uh, like I said, well, and you come from a law enforcement background as well, yes, you sir, said, retired, right? Yes, retired. Uh, and I see we have the uh, fourth Governor's Island winner who could not be bothered to uh, join us in studio. He's on the phone, Mike in uh, in Queens. Mike, what's your story? How come you uh, didn't want to come and uh, be part of the Reindeer Games here? No, I do want to be part of the Reindeer Games. It's just, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a, a brain fart on my part. I just, uh, I don't know. I just missed it. I'm I'm sitting in my cab by LaGuardia Airport in the rain, so it's uh you know, I'm doing the best I can to, for damage control. Okay, all right, sounds sounds good. We'll 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 have you weigh in on uh, all the subjects as we as we go through them. If you want to comment, you want to throw any issues and get our August panels' uh, t- ideas, opinions, thoughts on them, you could do so. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. My kind of thinking is just to randomly go through what's in the news these days and get your opinion on it. If you guys want to uh, interrupt with one another, as long as you're relatively polite, uh, go go for it. <laughs> All right, let me begin with the uh, the situation we've been talking about all week, uh, Hurricane Ian. Uh, there is uh, billions of dollars, they're saying, worth of damage uh, as a result of this storm. The Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, says there's been over 1,900 hurricane rescues in Florida alone. At least 95% of Floridians now have power, which means that at least about 5% of them still don't have power. Governor DeSantis is crediting the first response. He's thanking nonprofits for stepping up and helping the people of Florida. At least 100 people are dead as a result of Hurricane uh, Ian. Uh, Let me begin with you, Kevin. Some people are pointing out that when other regions of the country were having a tough time due to natural disasters, Ron DeSantis, when he was in Congress, had no problem voting against disaster aid. Uh, some folks are also saying that uh, this is a result of uh, of climate change, and that's why you're seeing the severity of these storms increase over time. Um, give me your thoughts on Ian in general and those two specific aspects that uh, folks that I th- are generally on the left have brought up here. Well, I think that uh, hurricanes have been hitting Florida and uh, New Orleans and South Carolina since they've been keeping records of hurricanes. Now, whether you want to say that they're uh, stronger uh, because of uh, climate change, I mean, there were hurricanes back that were sinking the uh, Spanish galleons that they're still looking for treasure. Uh, I think that Florida is, is has been hit. I mean, I think Hurricane Andrew back in the early 90s at that point was the strongest hurricane up to that date. Now, remains to be seen how many people have lost their lives. Unfortunately... Uh, where it came ashore on the west coast of Florida, 
it wasn't uh, an area that was as built up as, say, Miami or Tampa. And a lot of those smaller homes literally just got washed away. Also, people were kind of apathetic. I mean, they think that they could ride out these storms. It's a big party. Uh, Ten years ago this month, I mean, I had nine feet of water in, in my mm. house. Sandy, I mean, I live in Howard Beach. The water just came down the block and it kept on coming. Yeah, obviously, I could tell you're a Republican. DeSantis has been talked about as a Republican presidential candidate. Do you think his handling of this disaster, you hate to look at it in political terms, but unfortunately everything is political when you talk about politicians. Do you I, think this has helped his standing as a prospective presidential candidate? I think it remains to be seen. It's still pretty early. I mean, it's uh, not even a week yet. Let's see how it shakes out. Uh, I think he's going to do a much better job than what they did in New Orleans uh, eight years ago. I don't think it's going to rise to that level of uh, of destruction and afterwards. I mean, didn't the mayor of you New- about Katrina? Yeah, didn't the mayor of yeah. New Orleans go to jail afterwards? Yeah, he yeah, was shaking yeah. down the contract. Uh, Gina, what's your take on Hurricane Ian in general? The DeSantis response, specifically climate change, as a, an aspect of this. What do you um, think? Yeah. I don't know about the whole climate chain uh, nexus there. Um, obviously, storms as sea levels are rising. You can't deny that. I'm not a denialist related to what's going on. I just don't know if there's an association. But when a hurricane comes bearing down on you, what do you care if there's climate change or not? Right? You want to you want to make it, make it out safe and, and hopefully you know, uh, not have to rebuild from scratch. Um, in terms of DeSantis's response, I was actually down there when this thing was coming through. I was I'm only home for a week now. Um, two days before the storm came, he declared a state of emergency. Schools were closed. Like, like, they were full tilt, like pre- preparation mode, and it was beautiful out. It was sunny and beautiful. I'm like, really, kids? You know, these kids are out in the street carrying on like kids do on days off. You know, I'm like, wow, what are we doing now? Like, we don't usually deal with that here until we we're dealing with devastation. So, in terms of preparation, he was certainly on point. You know, and in terms of rebuilding and restructuring. It all depends on how good your team is. All right? I'm not going to blame him or, or unless he's totally asleep at the wheel. It's all the people that are underneath him and beneath him and, and, and supporting him that make this work or don't make it work. Uh, David, uh, your thoughts on uh, the aftermath of Hurricane Ian? Well, uh, to go back to the climate change issue for a moment, um, hurricanes are fueled by warm water. And we know that the water temperatures are rising because of climate change, which is definitely in my opinion, caused by human activity. So there is a connection between what we're doing on this planet and the stronger hurricanes and other events that are happening, like the recent floods in Pakistan. Now, to get back to Ron DeSantis, he's just doing the job that governors are elected to do. I expect nothing more and nothing less from him, and I don't think governors really get much credit for doing their job Unless they screw up, then they get the blame. (laughs) Or if he goes and hugs President Biden, which I don't think he will do. Now, the last thing I want to bring up, and this came up on the Michael Smirconis show, which I know Frank watches at least, is that I don't know if we should be encouraging people to rebuild in these devastated areas. How much more billions and billions of dollars are we going to keep spending over the coming decades for people to live near the ocean which I don't think is necessarily a good idea. So, uh, Mike and uh, Mike and Queens on the phone there. What's your take on everything you've heard so far? Uh, well, first, if I could process it, I just like to say it used to be called global warming. Then we started getting snowstorms, and whoever was uh, the left or what have you 
backed off global warming, and now they went into climate change, which is a very broad brush. Whether it's hot or cold, you can call it climate change. So they win with that just by being uh, objective on face value. As far as DeSantis, look, it was a huge hurricane. My God, it was like an F5, 180 miles an hour wind. Um, There's only so much you can do, but the fact that he hasn't really been hammered as much as he could have been in the press says that he did a pretty good job because this is a, a... right before the elections. So I'm sure if there was something to really get him on, they would have got him on. And uh, your last uh, panelist there had a very good point. I mean, these people are building on the beach with about two or three feet of slack between them and disaster. So I'm getting a little sick and tired of rebuilding these places where probably you shouldn't be building on in the first place. Well, so are the insurance companies. Uh, they're saying this could be the largest uh, insured damage of any storm in history, maybe even worse than uh, than Sandy. Um, let me ask you guys about another story. Uh, former President Trump is suing CNN for defamation, and he's seeking $475 million in damages. The lawsuit filed in federal court in Florida, all roads lead to Florida, claims CNN used its massive influence to defame Trump for the purpose of defeating him politically. The court filing alleges that the cable news network attempted to smear the former president with, quote, a series of ever more scandalous false and defamatory labels such as racist, Russian lackey, and insurrectionist. It also cites the network's use of the term big lie to refer to Trump's repeated false statements about the 2020 election. Gino, uh, Trump versus CNN, where do you think this goes? I think I think they're both just tro- trolling through the mud, both of them. Um, CNN, I mean, I used to watch CNN. I remember Peter Arnett in the days of the Iraqi invasion. It was great journalism. I can tell you firsthand it's gone precipitously down the tubes um it's it's bias it's 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 not journalism anymore it's just um it's just looking for ratings and trump the flip side of trump he's doing the same thing i mean let's face it he's playing by the same games he has to i'm not really here defending him but just getting his name out there gives him a little boost around election season i'm sure it was well timed about now to kind of put it out there and uh, he's playing silly games he does Bob and weave with the media exceptionally, though. It's great to watch him volley with the media back and forth. I kind of miss that about him. Uh, David, something tells me you're not going to be picked as a juror in this Trump versus CNN case. But uh, how do you see this playing out? It's just another frivolous Trump fraudulent lawsuit designed so that he can raise money from the gullible people out there who believe everything this pathological, narcissistic liar says And I think it's a disgrace that courts have to waste their time on a clear, total nonsense lawsuit, just like he uh, sued Hillary Clinton, which I believe is on the verge of being dismissed. These lawsuits have no merit whatsoever. And Trump has some of the worst attorneys you could possibly get (laughs) because he doesn't pay his attorneys. One of his current attorneys in this paper lawsuit about him stealing government documents had to be paid $3 million up front because Trump has such a bad reputation for paying his attorneys. Uh, Kevin, something tells me you might have a different analysis. Yeah, I think I may have a different view on this. So uh, I think that as far as CNN, Trump was the best thing that ever happened to that network because now that he's kind of off the radar, uh, they've they've been bought by another company. Most of their... uh, most of their so-called newscasters are either being let go or they're being rearranged in a different time slot. 
and uh, over the last three months maybe, you'll notice that they're not coming down as hard on Trump, and they're actually starting to point out the deficiencies in the current president, which they never did. It being a little more middle of the road, you think? Under uh, the I'd, new say, I'd say, well, when they, they were off the road. They were tumbling down the mountain. Now, I think they're just trying to get a tow truck to lift them back up onto the uh, If road. I could uh, make a comment about these uh, latest comments from our friend here. Um, CNN is a news organization. Part of their job is to report things you might not agree with. CNN has 10 times more credibility than Fox News, which is basically an opinion organization which Trump would watch and basically be fed his political views. I think it's unfortunate that news organizations have started to rely mostly on opinion people. And that's true at CNN. I think that's even more true at MSNBC. But to Kevin's point, is CNN backing away from that a little bit now? Well, that's because of the new owner, who's mm-hmm. a, basically a Trump supporter. That's unfortunate. I think well, if, if they basically saying you can't use the word big lie, what do you call it when someone lies – 35,000 times, lies about an election being stolen, lies about – he lied uh, in an interview recently with Maggie Haberman about some bridge opening. I think wow. it was the Verrazano Bridge. He said it was raining and all this other stuff. It was, a, it was a clear and sunny day. This guy lies so much, I think he actually believes his lies after a while. I think to David's point, what you call when, uh, someone that lies 35,000 times, mm-hmm. I think what you call them is uh, Hillary Clinton. Let me get Mike to weigh in here. Mike, uh, real quick, uh, Trump suing CNN for uh, several hundred million dollars. Where do you think this goes? Well, first of all, the, the gentleman said they are they are right in that CNN has a new regime. So I think uh, just on that fact, uh, uh, Trump might be a little late to the dance on the uh, suing CNN thing. But I will say they hammered the, they they beat him like a like like a baby seal for about four or five years. And sad but true, there is a new regime. So if you sue CNN for people who basically aren't there anymore, I, I don't know where that goes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't think this is going to be uh, something that results in a big settlement uh, from CNN to uh, to Trump. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, one quick uh, subject I want to bring up before we have to take a break. Let me begin with you, David. Speaking of CNN, Chris Cuomo uh, left the network in disgrace. He came back to television last night on News Nation. I forgot to watch. I didn't realize he was starting again. And I would have watched at least the first episode. He had Bill Maher on, who I'm somewhat interested in. And uh, I forgot to watch, so I didn't see any of it. But give me your predictions on the prospect of a Chris Cuomo comeback, David? I don't think it's going to fly. Um, I used to uh, w- not watch, listen to him on the morning, but I didn't like his opinion-based program in the evening. And the Cuomo brothers, and I'm a lifelong Democrat, I don't like either one of them. They're both phonies. So uh, good luck with that, Chris. I spoke to your mother once on the phone. She's a nice lady. But I don't know what happened with you and your brother. Mike, uh, what's, what do you think? Uh, how do you handicap a Chris Cuomo comeback? Uh, even though I'm not a big Chris Cuomo fan, not to mention an Andrew Cuomo fan, I was a Mario Cuomo fan, I think Chris Cuomo signing would be uh, money in the bank because everybody's going to watch him like slowing down for a, for a car wreck. You know what I mean? So I think if you signed him right away, money in the bank. Well, yeah, so he started last night on News Nation. Kevin, uh, what do you think? Uh, Chris Cuomo, is this going to be the comeback of the century? I think you have to go to China because uh, Mario Cuomo was turned over in his grave so many times. He's drilled down to the other end of the earth. Their brand is shot. The Cuomo brothers, the ship has sailed. It's now a submarine. 
That's done. Uh, Gina, what do you think? Chris Cuomo. I don't think much about Chris or his brother. I never watched Chris. I don't plan on watching him now. I never watched him on CNN. Couldn't care less what he does for a living. All right. We're going to continue. If you have calls for Gino, Mike, Kevin, and David, give us a call. 800-848-9222. Any, any topic is fair game. We're going to try and cover as much ground as we can. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Another guy who's sort of fallen from grace. This is uh, Rock and Roll Part 1. A lot of people don't know that this is the first of uh, the rock and roll duo. If you're just tuning in, this is The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, We're joined by uh, Gino from Brooklyn, Mike in Queens, Kevin from Howard Beach, and David from the Bronx. Chewing the fat on uh, the issues of the day. Let me throw this one question at you. And I had some uh, family over Sunday, and I threw this question at them, and it elicited some very interesting responses. And you guys are four bright guys, so I'm just kind of curious what you think about this. Um, And uh, I'll bring in with you here, Mike, because I think it's it's your turn. If you could pick any human being in America that's eligible to be president in 2025— who would you pick? It doesn't mean they're running. Doesn't mean that they're going to run. Doesn't mean they have to have a realistic chance of running or winning. Maybe it's somebody that would never win. But if you were to pick someone, uh, the, if you could pick anybody to be president in 2025, including Biden, including Trump, including anybody, who would you pick? Well, I wish he could run because he wasn't born in the U.S. But I, since it's all about money at this stage of the game, I, I'd go with Elon Musk, hypothetically. You, well, so uh, let's say if we limited it to eligible people. <laughs> uh, to eligible people? Um, you know what? I, I, let's go with uh, either Kanye or Kim Kardashian. No, uh, honestly, seriously, you'd pick, uh, if you could pick any any eligible American, you'd pick uh, one of those two? You know, let me tell you something. Uh, I, would go, I would go for Kim Kardashian. I, I bet you would get votes. Uh, she's not crazy. She's a very good business. Well, and, and under my scenario, you don't have to get elected. You you get to basically pick. It's like uh, sort of a, a, it's an unusual parliamentary system. How about you? Uh, how about you, Kevin? What do you think? I'm going to stay with the best guy we had. So You're sticking with Trump? I'm sticking with Trump 100%. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this, and, and I want to hear uh, Gino's answer and, and David's. But Now, I voted for Trump twice, but you would acknowledge that, the, that he made some major mistakes in office, right? I mean, namely with personnel. I mean, do, do you think it was wise to pick, like, John Bolton and Rex Tillerson and Anthony Scaramucci and, and General Mattis? and uh, Gen- Yeah, I, I understand that, but, you know— I believe they had the knives out for him as soon as he became the candidate when he knocked all them other guys off the stage. And that was it. It was just there was a big conspiracy to get him. As far as, yeah, you're right. Like Scaramucci was there for 12 days, right? Mattis was, uh, he wants to kill everybody in the room. He has a plan. Rex Tillerson, he came over from, was it GM? I forget. I think it was Exxon. Exxon, right? And you don't hear much for these guys. But at the same time, how, how about... 
I mean, they just laid in wait. They just laid in wait right. from the day that he got no, in. No, I, I get it. I, and, I, that's why on my scenario, I mean, you, it could I be I mean, anybody. he had a bad lawyer. Look at Cohen. Cohen went and went to the can. I mean, it's just like, yeah, of course he made some bad choices. But look at the good things that happened. I mean, were you better two years ago than you are now? I mean, I'm thinking about I got to go out in the streets of New York City and leave here so you, in the middle of the night. You're you're picking anybody. You're picking Trump. That's 2025. Gino, you can pick any American eligible for the office. Who's president in 2025? Well, I think good morrow, everybody. Oh, I think it would be Frank Morano. That's a big mistake. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even pick myself. <laughs> oh, I will tell you, my sister and, and her friend from California, they were both over. I asked both of them the question, and my sister Claudia said that, that she would pick our father, who I think actually would, would do a good job. And then her friend Rachel said, uh, not my wife, but another Rachel, said, yeah, you know, actually, I was thinking of your father, too. He is kind of statesmanlike, <laughs> but uh, I don't think but, he's, he's running any time soon. My friend, uh, my friend Bob Sacamano tells me that uh, if I was to pick anybody, it would be somebody that was a financial fiscal conservative that had that wasn't beholden to the two parties, which right off the bat makes my choice no, no. because they're all well, deeply no, entrenched. Could, right, so right. who would you pick then? It would, off the top of my head, I can't even come up with somebody qualified because they're all puppets of the people that fund them. You know, one of the things um, that I've learned from the Trump experience is that I've come to believe anyway, not learned, that it's more important than I realized to have at least some governmental experience. And I think a lot of – and when I would ask a lot of Trump people, including Colonel Douglas McGregor and others, why did Trump do this? Why does Trump do that? And the answer is always the same. Well, he didn't have the experience. He didn't know enough. To navigate the bureaucracy, so he was beholden to the guys that did and implemented their own agenda. So um, this wasn't my view five years ago, but right. I now think that I would pick someone that had at least some governmental experience. David, how about you? Any American that's eligible, who would you pick to be president in twenty twenty five? As a lifelong loyal Democrat, I'm going to say something you'll probably be surprised by. I think President Biden is too old to run again, and I think Kamala Harris is a terrible campaigner a terrible speaker, and conveys just a terrible image. I can't think of anybody in my party at this moment who I would pick to run for president or be president, which is unfortunate. We've done a terrible job of preparing our lineup for the future. Hopefully that'll change. Someone will rise up in the next couple of years. I thought Mayor Pete uh, the current uh, secretary of transportation might be a good choice, but I don't think America is ready for a gay president. Right, but under my scenario, you could pick anyone you want. He doesn't have to go through or she doesn't have to go through the rigors of an election. You can pluck them out of oh, obscurity. So I and could just appoint yes, somebody. you get to appoint somebody. Well, in that case, <laughs> I, you're the appointer in chief. I choose myself. There you oh, go. Boy. No, seriously. <laughs> because You got my vote, kid. <laughs> you know, listen, I'm blind. I don't judge people based on vision. I judge people based on what I pick up from them, from what they say, from what they do. I'm interracial, so I don't uh, necessarily have that hindrance. And my father uh, came from Sicily as a child, so I know about the immigrant experience. So, And I, I think I'm pretty knowledgeable about most topics, not to toot my own horn, as they say. But, yeah, I, I think if if, uh, if I were able to, I would definitely uh, become president. All right. Let me ask you guys about uh, a pretty serious issue that we brought up on the radio uh, last week. And I think at least two of you called in to comment on it. 
Um, and that is the fact that yesterday was the five-year anniversary of this uh, shooting, this massacre in Las Vegas. Still a lot of unanswered questions. And uh, really, at least people like me have a lot of questions that are unanswered. Uh, Gino, you called in. You had an interesting theory about what you thought was Stephen Paddock's role in this whole thing. In a nutshell, uh, tell me what you think happened. Tell me what you think of law enforcement's response in this whole situation. And uh, I don't know where we would go from here in terms of getting some of these answers. You, we are sitting in a glass studio, right? You're trying to get <laughs> it me whacked while I'm sitting It is here. bulletproof. <laughs> okay. And the one thing that, uh, <laughs> the one thing that John Katzmatidis insisted upon, he says any studio that has Curtis Lee in it must right, be bulletproof. Absolutely. Good Why has she got a red dot on this? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to get whacked on the way out, if nothing else. Um, what do I think of Paddock's involvement is, is, is your question? Well, no, in general. You could take comment on five years later. We've had five years of yeah, looking five, at this whole situation. Right, five years later, like uh, one thing I didn't tell you on the radio, or uh, maybe I did, I don't remember. You know, they raided, this guy was an IT guy. They raided his house. They took two computers out of his home. If you remember, they kind of bulldozed through it. They took everything that was related to this man's life, personal and otherwise. And we never heard anything after that. If that alone doesn't tell you that they're covering up an awful lot of information about this case, um, stuff that they don't clearly want out there in the public. Um, This guy was dirty and up to some no good things beyond just a gambling addiction. And I believe that he fought a lot of his addiction. It wasn't from his, his, although he did make some six-figure salary. Um, it was funded from some being on the payroll. And I believe he was a gun runner. I really do believe he's a gun runner. For the government. For the government, yes. I believe he was. Look, I mean, we had the uh, Fast and Furious scandal, mm-hmm. same era, right? I mean, the government was paying people uh, and allowing people to get whacked, basically. Like, I'm going to get in about three an hour, God 40 minutes, yeah. um, you know, for, for just doing dirty stuff. And I think, uh, like I said prior, prior I think he kind of lost it. He wigged out when he realized the walls were closing in on him, and he did have all this ammunition and all these weapons. Uh, and again, he wasn't trying to shoot a couple of country music fans. He was trying to take out the whole thing. He was shooting into those gas tanks that were across. And if you know Vegas and you know the oh, Mandalay wow. Bay, that is right across the street. They're not buried at the back. That's right across the street. You could hit it with a softball from the hotel. You could hit those field tanks. Uh, uh, Kevin, you're law enfor- you have a law enforcement background as well. What's your take? on Five years later, what's your take on I what happened with that Vegas how, I mean, he brought those weapons in right through the front. Right, right, and 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 nobody came in the rooms. Nobody, no housekeeping wasn't allowed. Uh, it just, it, I, well, it, I put the "do not disturb" sign on the door when I'm there for a few days, also though. So, yeah, you but know. now that's changed. <laughs> right, I right. mean, now they go in every day. Mm-hmm. But like you say, Fast and Furious, right? What they, what was their, their, they thought? Oh, let's let the guns go in, and we could track the guns, and then we can close up behind them. I don't know. I don't have any information with, with about that fella, but. He, how many people did he kill? It was just like he just sat up there. And it was the greatest they, shooting in, in, in it, it, America. It was the greatest it, mass shooting yeah. in America. And there, there was 50-something was no, people yeah, injured, there, uh, there killed. Was, and, and, like, how long did it take them to get up, upstairs? It wasn't that hard to find well, this if you, guy. If you see those videos, he's firing for, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. He certainly, and he, he had a trying, bump stock. If he was trying to kill people, he would have killed far more than 52 people. Mike, five years later, 61 people dead, if you include Stephen Paddock himself and two victims who died afterwards in 2019 and 2020. What's your take? There's been some criticism of the FBI and local law enforcement for their handling of this. Are you satisfied that everything uh, has been done from a law enforcement perspective? Not really. It seems like there's a lot of stuff flapping around. To me, in my opinion, it seems like he was some dirty tricks uh, career, dirty tricks special ops guy who got double-crossed somehow when he just wanted to get 
revenge and a blaze of glory. It might be uh, a lot more than that, but the essence of it seems like uh, that's pretty much the nitty gritty, in my opinion. David, you you had called and you were you defended the FBI's handling of this investigation, if I recall correctly. What's well, your take five years later? Well, what I said was is that it was handled by the locus the local Las Vegas office, which I'm sure isn't huge compared to some of the other ones. I think that people can't explain this type of violence, this type of depravity, and come up with all kinds of conspiracy theories to justify it. I've heard these theories that have been mentioned tonight before, and there is not a scintilla of evidence to support any of them. I don't like to to, to um, in exchange in conspiracy theories, so I'm going to limit my comments to what I just said. Fair enough. 800-848-9222. Let me ask all of you guys about uh, some news that broke uh, a few hours ago. North Korea's military apparently fired a ballistic missile over Japan on uh, Tuesday morning local time, and it's prompted a warning to residents to take shelter. It's the first time since 2017 that North Korea has sent a missile over Japan All the analysts are saying this marks a major escalation. The Biden administration has condemned this as dangerous and reckless. David, what do you think this means for the future of uh, American foreign policy and kind of Asian foreign political affairs? I think it means that Kim misses the attention he got from the former dear leader Trump. Who's he going to send love letters to? President Biden? I don't think so. I think they're just trying to get attention. North Korea is a state that is basically a failed state. They have famines every few years. They're under heavy sanctions. The leader doesn't ever leave the country. Uh, He's very rarely seen in public. They apparently are dealing with a COVID outbreak they're trying to cover up. So I don't necessarily consider them a real threat to the United States. They're not going to launch a nuclear weapon at us because we would blow them off the map. So... Let Kim rattle his saber, but otherwise I don't know what we can do about it. We've been working on this for the past 30-plus years, and it doesn't seem uh, to be a solvable problem. Gino, uh, how do you solve a problem like Korea? I think David is <laughs> solve a problem like Korea. Well, uh, that's a whole different question. But I think David was on point with a lot of it. I don't know the, the public climate of what's going on this week in the news in North Korea, but maybe this was just a way to deflect or take some attention <clears throat> off from other policy matters that's going on. In terms of um, him shooting off rockets or anybody else for that matter, I, I think sometimes we overstep our boundaries in this country with trying to tell other countries what to do. Um, Ukraine is a great example of that. And, you know, we're always trying to dictate policy to other people where we really don't belong. We don't, um, again, anybody launching a rocket, whether it's over Israel or over Japan, that's what nations want to do. You want to hold them accountable? That's what we have the United Nations for. We have to stop pretending that we're going to circumvent the UN. It's sitting in our own town. We're blocks away for, for that matter. It's embarrassing that we try to do things when we establish that institution. Um, Kevin, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let me just interrupt for a second because the UN came up, and I think you mentioned something about this recently. The way the UN, the UN Security Council is set up makes it ineffective. You have the five permanent members, the United States, Russia, UK, France, and China, who can outvote any of the other countries just with one vote. 
That needs to change because the Chinese have been protecting North Korea. The Russians have been protecting North Korea. And we can't use the U.N. because it's ineffective when it comes to dealing with issues like this. They can't even deal with Ukraine because Russia has a veto against anything we tried to do over there. So let's restructure it and stop pretending to be the world's police. That's what they're set up that's for. A, Kevin, uh, how uh, worried yeah. are you about North Korea firing missiles well, I, over I Japan? I don't think we have anything to worry about North Korea. I mean, if you listen to our lovely vice president last week, didn't she say that North Korea was an ally? She misspoke. She meant South Korea, but she says North Korea was our ally. You know, whether it's Trump, Biden, or Kamala Harris, uh, maybe because I have to speak for four hours a day and I make a lot of mistakes, I'm pretty forgiving of a lot of people uh, misspeaking, you know, innocently. I'm more concerned with broader public policy issues, but honestly... We had no issues with them when Trump they would stop shooting their their little bottle rockets out. It, I mean, it's it's a non-starter. I think we could just put them to the back. They're not. Who, who are they going to hurt? They're going to hurt Japan. I well, don't think so. Wait a minute. You, you know, I know you're a Trumper, so you'll defend anything he did. No, I don't defend anything and, and wait, he wait, did. Hold on, let me finish. North Korea did not stop developing their nuclear weapons. They did nothing, okay? They got three meetings with Trump, which built up their leader's esteem. And what did we get? A few remains from 50 years ago. They have probably been increasing the strength of their nuclear weapons and their missiles, which will one day be able to reach New York City. That worries me. You and me will both be gone by the time that happens. Oh, I, I don't think we will be. Oh, I believe so. No, no. They've already have missiles that can reach the Western United States. I've been following nuclear weapons for the past 40 years out of my 50 years, okay? Because I grew up in the 70s and the 80s when this was something we were worried about all the time, all right? North Korea, at some point in our in the near future— will be able to reach us with a nuclear weapon. Will they be able will they ever do it? I don't think so. But on the other hand, you never know what a crazy person will do. Uh, Mike, let me get Mike to weigh in here. Mike, oh, you, what's your take? You think this is anything to worry about? Uh oh, yeah. Well, uh, well, the thing here is that China could turn North Korea into a glass bowl in about 5 minutes. So North Korea is not going to do anything without the winking away from the Chinese communists. So what this uh, situation now has to get, to get resolved with is basically calling the uh, the Chinese communists and saying, look, uh, Bobby, we got a little situation with the North Koreans again. Could you help us out and take care of this? But then again, at what price? So I think North Korea is just a, one of the other uh, proxy states uh, beholden to their master. And I, I, you just got to ask yourself, well, why did China let North Korea get uh, cranky all over. David, let me just follow up with one thing that, that you said. I know you were critical of these uh, summits that Trump had with uh, with Kim Jong-un, and I understand why. But, um, and I don't pretend to be an expert in anything, especially foreign affairs, but even though you may not like Trump, the, the fact of the matter is, right, that North Korea didn't launch any ballistic missiles over Japan during the period when Trump started engaging with Kim Jong-un in direct diplomacy. Now, that's a policy that has been abandoned by Biden, and he's done, Biden has now done what every other president has done, which is treat Kim Jong-un like a pariah and not meet with him. Doesn't that say maybe there was something to Trump actually meeting with this person and engaging in diplomacy? No, because what did we get? This is the problem. Well, no ballistic entire, missiles. No, nope. no, 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 nope. no testing of <laughs> no ballistic rockets. missiles. They 
have these missiles. They've been working on them. You don't have to test missiles all the time. We don't test our missiles that often, okay? They've been developing their nuclear weapons this entire time. They didn't stop when Trump was president. After all those meetings, they didn't stop at all. And if you really want to solve this problem, because we keep talking about China, which is the, the big bear in the room, as it were, the Chinese prop up the North Koreans because we have troops in South Korea. We have troops in Japan. We have troops in other places surrounding China. If you really want to solve this problem, you have to think differently. And maybe it's time to get our troops out of that area and, and, out of, and, and not talk about interfering if the Chinese go into Taiwan. I, you know, these are things that we don't want to talk about because the political foreign policy uh, establishment in this country is wedded to all these things for the past 50 years, Democrats and Republicans. One thing that nobody really wants to talk about with North Korea, instead of exporting missiles, he should be exporting that hairstyle, Kim Jong-un. I mean, he's got an exceptional head of hair over there. Nobody's really paying attention to it. He's and, like, yeah, Mo, hey, yeah, Mo. Absolutely. I mean, they will spend more time on that. And, all right, we're going to continue. We'll, we'll try and finish with some uh, lighter issues and when we return. 800-848-9222. We'll try and squeeze in as many calls as we can as well. Mike is here. Kevin is here. Gino's here. David is here. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight, uh, joined in studio by four all-star callers, Mike in Queens, actually he's on the phone, Kevin in Howard Beach, Gino from Brooklyn, and David from the Bronx. And I have to tell you, so far I'm getting a lot of email. Uh, People uh, really strongly in agreement with Mike's choice of Kim Kardashian for president. Apparently uh, she has a a deep reservoir of support. I had no idea that uh, she'd be so popular among a lot of different political persuasions. Uh, So who knows? Maybe this is the the birth of a a big idea here. All right. I want to try and squeeze in as uh, as many calls as we can the next few minutes. Uh, 800-848-9222. Let me begin with, uh, let me begin with Andrew on Staten Island. Hello, Andrew. Frank, good morning. Uh, I'm sitting in my car wanting to go in the house. It's downpouring. I can't even get out. So real quick, climate, okay? There's no question man has contributed to uh, the climate. But with that said, there is no amount of taxes. There's no amount of regulations or sanctions that Biden can bestow upon the American people that could change the Earth's temperature by even a tenth of a degree. Just it, it's it, the whole thing on on the surface. It's ridiculous. It's it's part of the degrowth movement out of Europe. We all know that. Okay, it, it, it's communist on, on its face. Oh my God! Let, let me give you a little bit of better news. Okay, I celebrated Rosh Hashanah last week. I went to a family gathering. Saw about seventeen, eighteen relatives I haven't seen in years. Three quarters of them Democrats. I spoke to all of them. Three quarters of them can't wait to vote for Lee Zeldin. Can't wait. Thank a God. A couple of them live in Jersey. They are overwhelmingly <laughs> coming over to our side. All right, Andrew, let me get these guys to comment, and then I want to try and squeeze in a few other uh, people. We'll, we'll start with you, uh, Kevin. Go ahead. What do you want to say? Yeah, I mean, that's like the last great hope to save this uh, city and state. I mean, 
Uh, it's like somebody spun the world upside down. Last week, you had that woman attacked not too far from where I live in the train station. The guy was arrested 16 times. You have guys that are arrested 20, 30. How many times before they're going to keep these guys in? It seems like the politicians are more concerned about the criminal than the victim. I mean, a woman, she has to have rocks in the head to get on a train in this city. Let me get everybody's uh, quick quick take on that. Gino, any comment there? Real quick, climate change is climate change. I think the caller's got a good point, but we could debate this all David. Yeah, the caller basically implies we should do nothing, which is not a solution. I don't have children. I have a niece and four nephews, and it's their future I'm worried about, and I don't know if they're going to be able to live in this world if we continue on this path. Mike, a uh, comment on climate change or the related comment about the movement towards Democrats voting Republican this year? Uh, first of all, the climate change. you got India and China doubling down on building coal plants. They're setting record numbers of building coal plants. So why should we be having all the fun by constraining our lifestyle while China and India are, like, cranking out the coal plants? Uh, the other thing with uh, Zeldin getting elected versus Hochul, um, I'll tell you one thing. What people got to understand is Democrats vote Republicans by not voting, okay? So the ball has been firmly tossed to the people out there to get off their butts, and if they want to make some change, they have to vote. They have to go and vote. They can't sit home like the 83 presented uh, when Eric Adams got elected. So, I mean, um, I, I maintain that the Democrats vote Republicans sometimes by not voting. All right. Let me so, try and get a couple to... of other people in here. Chris is in the Catskills. Chris, very quickly, if you can. A recent Siena College poll said that 85 percent of Republicans and 84 percent of Democrats want to see their party have control in Albany and in Washington. So advancing that another step further to the panel and to you, Frank, what percentage, in your opinion, do you think of those 84 to 85 percent would blame voters in the other political party for the problems in government and society by saying, gee, these people won't just get on board with our ideas to make things better. Uh, There's way too much math to me, for me on that one. So I'll defer to anybody that wants to comment yeah, on that. I'll just say quickly, if you put in this uh, Zeldin person, it's not going to make a big difference. People think that you change one political position and it's going to make a huge difference with crime and all these other pressing issues. It isn't. The Democrats are still going to control Albany. It might make a difference in congestion pricing, though. Well, right? she's already delayed that until 2024, so yeah. we'll see. Um, real quick, quick comment there, Kevin. I think uh, Lee Zeldin can make a big change. I mean, he's got the power of the pen. He can dismiss these uh, district attorneys that aren't following the law. Once he comes down on that, they'll take a different view. Gino, that call, that call is stunk. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> We're just about out of time, actually. I'll give you guys 10 seconds to make a closing remark. Kevin. I'm hoping that um, wh- whoever gets elected, I'm, I'm, and again, I pray it's uh, Lee Zeldin, because this city is uh, it's, it's such a beautiful place when, when, when it's safe. And All right. Give me one word, Gino. Vote. All right. David, one word. Vote Democrat. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Mike, uh, go ahead. One word. You got five seconds. Uh, Zeldin vote for Zeldin because of congestion prices. All right. Hey, if Zeldin runs in only in this studio, he's in good shape. Keep asking <laughs> questions. 